Welcome to the Flyover Ministry Podcast, a practical youth ministry podcast for small church leaders by small church leaders. We are grateful that you have joined us for our journey through ministry-related topics that we hope help equip and encourage you as you serve Jesus wherever you are. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Jordan. And this is not NPR, as you might have picked up from the last time you listened to the ending of last week's episode. This is Flyover Ministry, and we are moving right along with the blessings of bivocational ministry. Uh, I think we're going to start off here with just a few other options that people have taken on as they uh, have looked for alternative uh, income or other alternative sources of income. One person does the substitute teaching and they deliver pizza. I mean, if that doesn't sound like youth ministry 101, be the guy who not only orders the pizza, but delivers it as well. Uh, somebody you give here, yourself a tip then. Oh, give yourself a tip. Here's a tip. Uh, deliver more pizza. Uh, there is somebody who does lawnscaping. They work as a mechanic as well. Somebody does videography, which is pretty cool. Uh, this person, and I've, I've, I've thought about doing this as well, just as like a for fun hobby. Uh, as we work with real estate agents selling our woodworking projects, there's a person who does real estate photography using drones. Uh, that is really fun. Not only do you get to play with a little bit of a, a grown-up toy, but you actually have an opportunity to take pictures and sell them to others. Uh, I have also talked with people who um, teachers specifically, like high school teachers who use uh, the summer months to start their own photography business. And they're able to take on as many photo sessions as they want because they just hire the editing process out to a couple of individuals. Hmm. So they make quite a bit of money to the point where it's like, why am I teaching? This is hmm. super easy. And uh, you know, it's not, all, it's not about the money, money, money. We just want to see the world change. Um, <laughs> So forget, forget about the price tags. You you said that you sell your wood stuff to real estate agents. Yeah, so we make these rectangle signs like a welcome home or uh, last name here established 2022 okay. uh, with maybe like the the GPS coordinates on where they are at. And uh, I'm the person who puts the the wood all together. I will admit that my wife is the one who adds like actual monetary value to what we do with all of the hand painting. Mm. Um, it would be really easy to just get like a cricket or something with like the stickers and just put it on. But no, she uh, insists she'll put on like a Gilmore Girls or a Grey's Anatomy or whatever show she's rewatching for the nth time. And uh, she'll just sit and paint and she enjoys doing it. And um, she does a great job, which is why we're able to sell them as uh, welcome to your new home gifts to sure. a real estate agent. I so. guess, yeah, I, I hadn't thought about that market. Yeah, just just a little side here. Uh, not to, I mean, it, we have a couple of pages on social media. If you want to take a look, you don't have to. Don't feel like you have to, but it is. <laughs> but it since is a you're lot listening, of fun. but since go. you're listening, uh, you can find us at Dan Made Hand Painted. H A N Painted. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, that was. So, uh, I think that was credits to Joanna Voth for coming up with that name, but. Hmm. She so doesn't if, listen to this. <laughs> that's probably uh, probability would say that I'm not surprised. One thousand percent sure she doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> so if you had to 
start your own business on the side. Have you thought about what you do? Oh man. I we've had a couple of ideas floated out. One we've got a river near us, the Otter Tail River, that I think it would be fun to do like a a tubing venture where we just mm. get like a school bus and just mm-hmm. load up a bunch of inner tubes for people to and, and just drop them off up river. And when they get to the the base site, they just leave the tubes there and we clean them up and load them up for the next group. Um, I think especially for river river tubing to have a, uh, what if there was actually a business where people didn't get drunk off their socks while they were going down a river? Like what if we had something that was super family friendly? Um, But that's very seasonal because we live in Northern Minnesota. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's not exactly a uh, sustainable side hustle. I'm guessing you asked for a reason. So I'm going to throw the question back at you. What are you going to do? Well, I, it's not going to do, but I have had a, just a, a little inkling of a thought. And You're I was going, going to, to reopen like, the Sears photography booth. No, no Langnai lasers. It's going to be like a laser tag thing. So what I was thinking is we've got some malls that are like most of the malls. I shouldn't say most, but probably many malls around the country that have just slowly evaporating away as stores one by one leave. But... I would think that that would they'd be eager to get people in there, and we've sure. got a college town. We don't have any laser tag places too close to us. Uh, we are also in an interesting climate where it is kind of colder in the north. There's a lot of snow recreation stuff, so that's kind of that's a possibility too. But still, I'm thinking, you know, I was thinking family friendly. Um, you could probably make a, a pretty little penny with that and also could be a place of employing students at the congregation parties. Yeah. 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 So, so that was a thought, but again, I am not super entrepreneurial and um, I don't have the bandwidth to start a business as I'm already in three different jobs. So (laughs) yeah, but if I had to, that might be something I'd take a stab at. That is a great idea. That actually kind of falls near where we had talked about putting in like a adjustable mini golf course in a mall just to be able to change it out. You know, once, once you master the windmill hole, Mm -hmm. you know, you got to be able to change it. So if there was a way to shift things around and adjust it so that it was a slightly different course every couple months or so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, malls are huge places. There's also just thinking like places like that for people to go that are indoors. Uh, I think especially like the sports bubbles, around where you could have like a soccer team practice throughout the winter. Uh, I think back when we lived in the Twin Cities, there were those kind of sports bubbles all over the place. And they actually opened it up for the public to just do laps around all of these uh, soccer fields. And that was just terrific. Just get out of the house. It's not exactly warm, but it's not like I need a coat kind of cold. Uh, But yeah, to just have some place like that, that would be interesting as well. So what you just witnessed was somebody dabbling at trying a different vocation. So whereas Dan Mm -hmm. tends to be someone who gets us on rabbit trails, it was my time to try. And I was successful. We got got in the woods quite a bit there. Quite a bit. What do we have for time (laughs) here? Holy smokes. Let's get on with this. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? So some of the blessings of bivocational ministry. Let's just jump right into it. Um, I think there's... This might sound kind of like a political answer, but I think there's some truth to it too. When you're allowed to have an income stream that allows you to be 
you know, to get through something, uh, that allows you to not feel the temptation to be forced into something simply because your livelihood's on the line. So, you know, there might be a time where there's a difficult choice that happens in the church and you feel like this might not be something that's popular with most of the congregation, but I feel like it's right. And if, if you're solely employed by the congregation, you might hesitate to say, well, I'm going to make this choice and I'm going to push for this because I think it's what the Lord's leading us to uh, if that could result in you getting canned. So having something else on the side gives you an opportunity to really be maybe a little bit more honest. And I think in some ways it's kind of like um, an interim pastor, right? They, they're there for a given period of time. They can maybe speak into some of the sacred cows that are slowly killing the church and say, hey, this has got to go. And people might not like it, but the interim pastor's like, what are you going to do? Like, I'm only here for four months anyways, you know? Mm. Um, so I think there's, again, it sounds kind of political, but I think there's a healthy aspect to that as well. Yeah, people tend not to like it when you kill their sacred cows. True. <laughs> I was just gonna. I was just thinking too. Like, uh, I was gonna ask you for some examples, but that is a, a really good uh, insight with the interim work. Um, I also think too. Like, you have the boldness, I think, to be able to have those kind of conversations if you are um, having that opportunity to have one foot in the marketplace, so to speak, where you actually see what the needs of the people around you are. Uh, you see, especially the fallenness of uh, your fellow co-workers, if you're working in a warehouse or at a, as a bank teller, or if you are interacting with people uh, on a different basis, like if you're helping out at the Sears photo booth or something like that, you have an opportunity to be able to say, this is what I'm seeing uh, at my other place of employment. I think that the church has a huge opportunity to be able to support um this need that I see. Um, one way that I actually saw when I was substituting uh, at our school at one point was that the school started doing something to support the teachers to have like a little bit of get together time um, to show appreciation. Uh, and by doing like scones and coffee and juice and donuts and like a, a bingo game before school even started. So the teachers showed up at the library super early uh, to be able to be a part of that. And you know, I think that's terrific. And then I was able to come and say, uh, and we're still talking about this as a church, but to say, you know, we, our teachers need help and support. And our jobs, when you consider it, really aren't too different in the fact that we work with the same types of people. And you're part of our community as well. And we want to love on you. And there's absolutely an opportunity for us as a church to be able to uh, do that sort of thing, like to sponsor I think once or once every other month, something like that for the teachers to just love on them, get them some donuts and uh, to just be present and to listen to them. Uh, yeah, there's there's something to be said too, like as a youth worker or as somebody who works full time at a church, uh, how many unsaved people do you know? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, shamefully, I'd, I'd say I don't know too many. So there, there's that component as well with the blessings of being bivocational. You have a a greater voice when it looks at marketplace ministry. And I think you touched on an important part too. Sometimes congregational ministry can give you kind of like a short-sightedness um, and you get mm -hmm. stuck looking inside the walls of the church. And we recognize there's needs in the congregation. You know, there's people going through um, aging processes where they're making transitions into nursing homes, shut in, different mm -hmm. things like that. People having operations that want your presence and prayer support and stuff too. 
Um, but having this kind of force you outside of the congregation into the community does provide for a whole different host of relationships. And, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of blessing in that. Um, I know that sometimes we can, and, and maybe, maybe we prefer kind of the safety of our bubble. Um, but that also kind of takes us away from the impact we can have on our congregation members, because who else in our congregation has that? Right. So most wow. of the people in our congregation are, are out in the community, out in the world. And, and this makes it more relatable to them. Um, and, and that can be a huge, huge blessing as well, just to be able to understand, like we said, uh, the, the challenges that they're facing too. You know, you can see things in the congregation, like let's say you worked at a bank, right? Um, right. And so along with that comes some awareness that otherwise you wouldn't have. And you could see like, man, there is a lot of seniors that are really struggling financially right now. Like, you know, just because you're working with withdrawals and deposits and you're seeing like what they have, um, and you can recognize maybe there's some in our congregation that are also struggling, or maybe it's something that we as a congregation can help fit a need. Um, but that's just, you know, we're just assuming that the church is okay with you grabbing a, a second job on the side. Um, sometimes they're not, and that's that's fine. Sometimes that perspective comes when you are working at a hobby or just uh, as your life shifts and changes, thinking of the ways that, uh, as a dad with kids, I've coached their uh, some soccer teams uh, from time to time, and being able to connect with parents that way has allowed me to see, you know, in my own free time as a full time youth worker, to be able to make that kind of connection and to see that, you know, some kids' parents are aren't able to pick them up right away because they are working an extra shift or working a third job or something like that where. Uh, or grandma and grandpa have to pick them up and they're going to stay with grandma and grandpa for the week because dad's on a work trip or something like that. So you, you start to see the impact of the, the community around you. The invitation then is if you are full-time, what are you doing to try and get into that community, to get your foot in the door where you're not necessarily promoting your church, but you are just being a part of your community, being a, a simple member to be able to then say, you know, as a church, as we are a part of the community, what can we do to help? Yeah. Another real thing, and this gets mm. into maybe the potential of evaluating things and stepping down from full-time position or, or lessening the, the uh, role that you have of the congregation. Um, you might be at a place where you taking on another job and cutting down your time there uh, and also thereby cutting down the financial obligation of the congregation to support you can free the congregation up to do something maybe pretty exciting and impactful in the community uh, with the with the new funds that they have available to them, especially if mm -hmm. you're in a congregation that's a little bit more challenged financially. That could make a big deal in outreach ministry and stuff. I'm mean, going to take, again, a couple of conversations uh, because <laughs> more, you more than a couple. Have, you, well, <laughs> Also recognizing that our first response as congregations, I would say, frequently goes to how can we use this money? And it goes mm. to like improving building, stuff like that. How do we use this on ourselves? Not first, like how does this impact the community? Um, but that, that, that could be a possibility that might be an unanticipated blessing of, of a change. Yeah. 
so good. Uh, it, yeah, it's just so good. It is a difficult conversation to have, though, because when you start trying to rework the budget, um, in order to add something new, you often have to take something away. And you're talking about golden calf territory. Um, I think there's an opportunity for your church if you are talking about readjusting your your budget, just period, even to be able to celebrate, you know, this was a ministry that we used to do. It's not exactly who we are now, and we can still celebrate the fact that this was a part of who we are and got us to where we are at, and we can shelve it for the time until such a time where we want to pick it up again. Um, stopping supporting, you know, <laughs> of course you're going to support, like, missionaries or a food shelf or something like that and the i think the perspective when you're talking about shifting finances that way uh if you're supporting like a jail ministry or something like that and all of a sudden your church just stops supporting that saying like we uh we're going to take this money and actually support a different ministry now the perspective and the optics of that make it seem like well you must not really care about um you know jail ministry or anything like anything like that, whatever you're taking money away from. And that's not the case at all. Uh, you just have to be flexible with what you're doing with the resources that you have. And I think especially as smaller churches, when ministry uh, resources are already being stretched pretty thin, that becomes a very uh, cautious conversation, which is why it, what led me to say that it, it will take more uh, than a couple conversations as well. But people like to give to missions. People like to give when there is a mission at work, when they see um, something being accomplished. Like, um, think of how many millions of dollars have been donated to organizations that are cleaning up the Pacific Ocean. Garbage patch. Like, there's a reason that people give to that, because it's accomplishing something, and you can see the results and the fruit from it. And it's actually doing something that's pretty beneficial, uh, environmentally helpful. And, you know, people really love being a part of something like that. And as a church, you know, if you have something that you can point to and say, you know, our churches uh, have been looking at this ministry and we want to give to this, uh, and these are ways that we've done this in the past, people are way more willing to give to that than, and I know this sounds harsh, but they're way more willing to give to mission than, it, than they would be to make the church look nice. Yeah, general fund. Yeah, just a general fund. Use it for whatever the church wants. Well, you know, I some people don't like sending that into a cemetery fund or to pay for uh, renewing the stained glass windows or for replacing the carpet in the the fellowship hall. Like, I want to give to like an actual ministry, not necessarily uh, renovating the church. We call it bricks and mortar here. Like, sure. what money goes to uh, the bricks and mortar and what money doesn't? Uh, but even saying that, like, I want to clarify too, like there's, there's things that you can do as a church that help you facilitate more ministry opportunities. Like one of our churches, um, when you think about the needs that that church has, we need like an actual wing for Sunday school classrooms because most of our Sunday school classrooms are in a basement that are just kind of crammed together. And we've, uh, we've shrunk quite a bit down. Uh, but there was a point in our history where not too long ago, we had temporary walls that we would expand out, not like the, the slinky walls or like the, the collapsible ones like on the track, but like um, a makeshift wall that you would just kind of <laughs> like a stand almost like a barrier. That's not soundproof. That's not, you know, you're going to be trying to yell over the, the other class around, 
classrooms around you. You know, so part of giving to mission could be that we want to, you know, we want to give towards um, a, a new Sunday school wing, you know, to be able to facilitate the ministry going on. So I want to just clarify that as we, we talk about realigning and considering different outreach and impacts, not just in the community, but even within the church as well. And from a ministry standpoint, I would say um, the last one is one that I would get more excited about. And that yeah, would be that yeah. this going to a part-time, in a sense, forces the congregation to allow itself to be equipped and trained for ministry. And that's that's Ephesians 4. Um, God's provided these letters for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. And, you know, it when you have someone who's on staff, it's too easy to just— kind of say, we're going to push this on your plate. We have the professional and stuff like that. Whereas, mm -hmm. you know, you cut your time and you're like, well, we want to keep ministering to students. We want to keep being imp impactful and effective in these things. How are we going to have this happen? Um, well, then we can say, Let, let's train you and we'll we'll show you what to do and how to do it. Because this, um, this might be kind of surprising for some to hear, but there's nothing magical in youth ministry that I do that somebody else can't do. In fact, there's probably a lot people could do a lot better than what I do. Um, and that's so, when Jordan became not, not employed anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I do see that. And, and for me, I've really been with my context. Now uh, the group that I've been given is primarily the students. And so it's been, um, this year I've had a, a student that's been an intern and she's getting into now more of the actual application and stuff where it's been philosophical kind of before, but she's been a Sunday school teacher this whole year. Um, and I've never wondered, you know, if she's going to be gone, does she have a sub lined up? She's, she's been nailing it. Uh, she did our younger youth. She ran the whole thing on Sunday. So she planned the games, planned the devotional, um, let everything and and she's been doing great and so you know being able to show this is kind of what we do um is, is really important and and it's like a multiplicative mm -hmm. reality because when you show or train two people to do what you do now you can have three people engaged in that instead of just you and they can train other people and and you can re meet a lot more needs that way than just trying to do everything yourself so um and and by by that financial division where there's actually like, okay, we're moving from I'm, I'm full-time here to now I'm part-time and that means this many hours, then I think there's a reason where people can get it in their mind like, okay, so we do need to kind of explore this and, and be more open to talk without them thinking like you're just trying to be lazy, I guess. Um, but that's that's a, a natural outcome too. Is the church kind of rallies together, and just think about too what it's like when a congregation doesn't have a pastor. All of a sudden, there's all these different people that need to step up and do things and learn things, and and I think there's there's a way where that can be very healthy for a congregation. Right, and even like as an incoming pastor into that scenario, you almost wish like nobody move, everybody do, everybody <laughs> say like I'm I'm here, Roof. like I'm I'm here to help, but everybody stop like. Stop what you uh, don't stop what you're doing. Like continue to do it, yeah. uh, but eventually that tends to to fade away and tends to spiral down over time if the pastor isn't careful to just keep an eye on it. Or even if you, as a youth leader or worship leader, or children's ministry director, or whatever your title is, if you aren't careful to continue to facilitate that, 
Because you think of all the things that you wind up doing on your to-do list uh, week after week. Mm -hmm. And I just look at the training and equipping people to do what I do. And I look at that and I say, that that is exactly what I need to be busy with. Like, if out of all the other things that keep me busy and occupied, that is what I want to prioritize. That is what I need to focus on. That is healthy ministry. It's discipleship. That's what it is. You got to you got to multiply yourself because there's a day coming when you're not going to be there and, yeah. and your church is going to be back. And just, you know, who knows when that day is coming? Um, Speaking is to the that, what's have that? you ever noticed how regularly oh, no. buses are involved when those kind of analogies? Because like, I don't know buses. if you buses. Yeah. Like, so let's say I'm having a conversation with why we need to train a few more people to learn how to know what little I know about the sound system. And I could say, well, let's say I get hit by a bus tomorrow. <laughs> so, I mean, it seems like it's always okay. the bus, Okay. you know, or am I just, is that just me? <laughs> no, I was, I was so confused where like buses, like bus drivers. Like I know we're talking bivocational and like <laughs> bus driving is an opportunity. Like, where is he going? If you get hit with a bus? Yeah. Um, why is it always a bus? Why isn't it like a freight train or, a snow mover or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I was hit by a uh, a bicycle messenger. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else you want to add to this? Uh, we're in a good spot. I, okay. I want to encourage you to, again, just be in conversation uh, with your church about this, with your people too, not just with your church board, but um, you got to be making time to have these conversations too. You know, even to just see the shift in focus in your ministry. Um, what are the needs of our community? Is this realistic for me to be here? And if you are uh, in a ministry position where um, you are part-time and the church is okay with that and they're working with you with that opportunity for you to be doing uh, something else with your other hours, uh, to not lock the church into that, to kind of open up the opportunity to um, say move away or deeper into that kind of ministry you know don't don't just lock yourself into a rut uh but allow yourself and the church to be flexible with this sure good words all right with that we pray that you go in peace and serve the lord thanks for listening to flyover ministry you can find, follow, and give feedback on our Instagram and Facebook pages at Flyover Ministry. You can also get in contact with us on our Gmail account, flyoverministrypodcast at gmail.com. You can find other episodes that we've recorded on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, and please feel free to share them with a friend. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.